then I would start thinking, you know, the glute bridge, everyone does body weight glute bridges for glute activation. That's a good exercise, but it needs more weight. So then I thought about how, how could you load it? And then I thought, how could you get more range of motion? Because it's a short range. How could you get more range? And then that's when the hip thrust was born. And, and I went out that night to my garage and tar- right after the fight, I went out and started experimenting. Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. That voice you heard in the beginning is the glute guy, Brett Contreras, talking about how he was inspired to develop the hip thrust. This is a fun conversation today. Now, keep in mind, my normal interviews are a little bit longer. I was working on an article on the hip thrust and and, and why it's become such a popular exercise, and I wanted to catch up with Brett Contreras to be able to get a couple quotes from him for the article, and he was kind enough and gracious enough to give me a few minutes of his time, so we didn't go into a complete interview. Normally, I like to have a longer interview, but with Brett, I just wanted to ask him kind of the origin of the hip thrust. The hip thrust has become such a popular exercise and the interesting thing is, and you'll hear about this, because I was surprised when I started writing the article, sometimes I do this. I'll pitch an article because there's something I want to learn more about. You know, I'm selfish that way a little bit. You know, if there's something I want to learn more about, if, there, if there's an area that I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool, I'll pitch an article to the American Council on Exercise or somebody else about, hey, let me, let me write something about this so I can learn more about it. Well, that's what I want to do with the hip thrust. Well, for those of you that might not be familiar with the hip thrust, if you've seen those young women laying in the gym, they have a barbell across their waist, and they're trying to their shoulders are on a bench, their shoulders are on a box, well, yeah, that's the hip thrust. They're pushing the, hip, the hips up and down. Nautilus, uh, one of the companies I work with, created equipment uh, a couple months ago. I interviewed Pete Holman about it. So Pete Holman created the glute drive for Nautilus. Brett Contreras came in and consulted on the project because of his research. And today's the first time I, you know, I had the conversation with Pete about how he developed the glute drive. And today's the first time I had a chance to really catch up with Brett. So this is a quick conversation, and I'm going to do something new in All About Fitness. Normally with the interviews, I, I'll, I'll just let them run. But this was a, like I said, this is a quick conversation, and we got a little technical. There's a little technical speaking here. From, from many people, you may not be aware, Brett is a PhD, so he, he takes a deep dive on this. So what I'm going to do in this interview is I'm actually going to break in one or two times and kind of explain what we're talking about. So that way you don't just hear a couple geeks going blah, 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 and you're going, what the heck, they just, I thought we were going to listen about the glutes. So in this episode of All About Fitness, it's going to be an interview with the glute guy, Brett Contreras, and it's going to be me breaking in a couple times the interview to explain what the heck we just talked about. So after a brief word from the sponsor of All About Fitness, the TerraCore, you're going to hear a great conversation, a brief conversation, but a fabulous conversation. And what's interesting is I never knew the origin of the hip thrust, and you'll be fascinated to find that. So uh, one more thing, uh, for those of you that listen to All About Fitness on a regular basis, if you could take a moment and just give us a rating, you know how that works. Ratings help us with you know getting noticed and getting recognized. I'm working my tail off to try to get good, good content for you to help you learn more how to use exercise to control your quality of life or enhance your quality of life. All I'm asking for is just go down, hit that favorable review, give me a five-star, eight-star review out of five, whatever you want. <laughs> but all I ask is do it for you. So that out of the way, we're going to do a quick word for the sponsor, and we're going to get into the conversation with Brett Contreras. It's a platform. It's a balance tool. You can do a ton of different exercises on it. Guys, you've been listening to me talk about the TerraCore. You've been hearing TerraCore ads on All About Fitness. Well, I've got great news 
for you. I went to the folks at TerraCore. The code AAF, I changed the code. The code AAF now gets you a 25%. That is 25, 25% savings on a TerraCore. Use code AAF to save 25% on a TerraCore. What is TerraCore? Don't go to TerraCoreFitness.com. That is TerraCoreFitness.com. T-E-R-R-A CoreFitness.com and check out one of the coolest products in fitness. See why Men's Health voted it one of the top fitness at home products that you should have for your workouts. Check out TerraCore Fitness on Instagram to see some amazing tricks. Again, TerraCore now is 25% off through All About Fitness. Use code AAF to save 25% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Just a quick note about the quality of the recording. I caught up with Brett using my cell phone, so I was using a recording app. I was not in a studio, but hey, it's not about the quality. It's about the content. This is going to be some great content, so listen closely with Brett Contreras. Uh, how you doing today? Very good. Just a little uh, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But <laughs> hey, that's, that's always the case. Hey, as I was writing the article, the main thing that, that came to mind, Brett, was how did you get the idea to load the glute? Because the glute bridge has been around for a while. What gave you the idea to, to load the glute bridge to make the hip thrust? So uh, this all happened when I was watching a UFC fight, and uh, it's coming up on the 14th year anniversary. It was October 12th, 2006. It was Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock their third fight and you know I, I didn't care who won I just wanted to be a good fight and I Tito mounts him right away and is dominating him and I'm and I, and it occurred to me you know you see a lot of fighters that'll just kind of lay there and they won't try to escape they won't bridge up and I thought you know maybe if there was an exercise to strengthen that motion more more it would it would benefit that and then I was started thinking, you know, the glute bridge, everyone does bodyweight glute bridges for glute activation. That's a good exercise, but it needs more weight. So then I thought about how, how could you load it? And then I thought, how could you get more range of motion? Because it's a short range. How could you get more range? And then that's when the hip thrust was born. And, and I went out that night to my garage and tar- right after the fight, I went out and started experimenting. Now, that's an interesting story. I, I like that because a lot of people don't know how exercises are made, right? We don't know what caused the inspiration. So to hear that Brett was inspired by an MMA match to develop, or, and, and the glute bridge is something people are always doing, but to get that moment of inspiration say, hey, we can load that to make that stronger, that's pretty cool stuff. And I didn't even know that. So that's a really cool backstory for the hip thrust. That is, I didn't realize that. That's That's pretty cool. And so since then, obviously, you coach a lot of figure athletes, and you and you you very popular for working with figure athletes for the glutes. But what got you? And I mean this. You have to understand. I mean this in in the biggest and serious way possible from a biomechanical standpoint. What got you interested in the glutes, and what got you interested in really understanding the glutes? So I will tell you two stories that kind of traumatized me from you know <laughs> adolescent years. You know. My friends were, you know, you go through puberty and some friends develop more than others. And I was a skinny kid. And so I started, I started lifting weights because I hated being so skinny, but I didn't know how to work my glutes. I mean, it's not something you could in bodybuilding magazines still don't have a glute day for men. It's always the same thing. It's huh. for bodybuilders. It's body part splits. It's 
you have your chest and tricep day, your back and bicep day, your your shoulder day, your leg day, and your arm day. And the leg day is quads and hams. And you know, if you say, well, what about glutes? They go, oh, they get worked when you train your legs. You know, you, you do your squats, your lunges, your stiff leg deadlifts. The glutes get worked just fine. And for some guys, yes, if you have good glute genetics, yeah. But for a lot of people, that doesn't cut it. And they they're, they don't have nearly the the glute development they could if they trained it specifically, like they do with every other muscle group, you know. There's not a muscle group guys don't train directly. You know, your traps get big from deadlifts and military press. They still do shrugs. You know, your arms might get big from chin-ups and dips and close grip bench and rows, but they still do biceps and triceps. It's weird that they didn't do that for glutes. And so um, I had... Uh, basically, when I was in high school, I had these three girls whom I had a crush on, and I was listening to them. They were like the pretty girls, and I was listening to them say, let's go, let's go watch football practice. I love watching the guys in their outfits. I love staring at their butts. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, <laughs> I'm screwed. Like, I'm not <laughs> – I'm going to be a virgin until uh, till I'm 40 years old if I don't figure out how to get some glute development. <laughs> and uh and I didn't know how. So like I was like I can do push ups for my chest, I can do curls. But back then I didn't feel I felt squats in my quads, I felt deadlifts in my low back, you know, we didn't have the internet back then, so I didn't have a coach, I didn't really know how to how to really check my form. We didn't have cameras really, so it's like you couldn't just video your form and compare it. So now, for regular listeners, you know that, that my focus for All About Fitness is not bodybuilding. It's not aesthetics. My focus is on quality of life. In having this conversation, though, I never really thought about that because, yeah, when you look at the traditional squats and deadlifts, you get a lot of assistance out of your quadriceps. I mean, quadriceps help extend the knees. You get assistance from your hamstrings, even on the way up. You know, So there really wasn't a way. You had some machines that would kind of target the glutes. But there really wasn't a way to target the glute as an isolation muscle, you know, because normally when you look at, the, at, the, at how the glutes are used in a lot of these exercises, they're used as a compound. They help with the movement. So what Brett's talking about is there really was, you know, you can do biceps for, you know, you can do curls for the biceps, you can do flies to isolate the chest, but there really wasn't an effective way to isolate both glutes at the same time in this loading pattern. So being able to load the hip thrust kind of created a whole new way to isolate the glutes which is something that, you know, kind of happened by accident. That that was one story. And then another, I was playing golf with my sister's boyfriend. I think I was around 16 years old and I went to swing the golf club and he's like, he's behind me. And he's like, you know, Brett, you have no glute muscles. It's like your back goes right into your legs with no, no, you know, bump or protuberance. It's like you're missing those muscles. And I was just, I was so mortified hearing that because I knew it. But I'm like, I'm just not okay with this. And so I started studying up and reading up on the glutes and trying to learn everything I could. That is so, and it's so funny you have that story because it was Sarah Grazer and Maribel Dizon, I think, in uh, freshman science class. They're talking about the soccer players and the soccer players' legs. And ever since then, Brett, I've been focused on leg training. Well, I heard the two girls in science <laughs> class talking about legs. That is 100% true. If anybody is listening, uh, if anybody listening went to, we went to high school together. It was I went to Blair High School in Silver Spring, 
And it was freshman science class. I remember Nick Muse was sitting in the front row. And Nick was a kid I grew up with who was a stud soccer player, great soccer player. And it was Nick Muse. And then in the row behind him, it was Sarah and uh, Mary Bell. And I was sitting behind them. And they were talking about Nick. And they were pointing out. And Sarah was pointing out Nick's legs and go, oh, I love soccer players' legs. And yep, ever since then, leg training has been an important part of my fitness program. So guys, make sure you do your leg day. Yo, forget chest, forget back. You know, I, I heard that message very loud and clear that women pay more attention to legs than they do. That's, that's such a funny point. Now, you did your Ph.D. work. You did your Ph.D. work looking at the hip thrust, and I've read a couple of your research studies. When you started studying it, what really what surprised you about what, what was it when you started quantifying the movement? What surprised you? Did anything surprise you, and, and what did? Absolutely. Uh, we did a – I never published this. I should publish it, but it's a fourth-place study. And we found that uh, basically uh, when people do hip thrust, okay, when you do squats, uh, you use similar amounts of force on the way up compared to the way down. Sorry, I should say on the way down compared to the way up. Think about it. You don't just let all your muscles go during a squat and dive bomb it and then just power it back up. You will control the weight on the way down, right? So according to my research, um, after you take like the momentum out of things, you will use around just around 10% less force during the lowering eccentric phase compared to the rising or concentric phase, right? So you have pretty consistent tension on the muscles throughout the whole squat, whereas uh, uh, like in terms of the lowering and, and rising phase, whereas with the hip thrust, I'm sure you could coach the hip thrust to like lower it slowly, but people don't do that. They kind of let gravity take it, let the weight kind of fall. And they lift it themselves. So you use three times more force, concentric force, as you do eccentric force in a hip thrust. So it's more of a concentric, kind of a shorter range concentric motion, whereas the squat is more of a longer range motion exercise. Okay, so what Brett is talking about is lengthening, eccentric lengthening is when a muscle is lengthening under resistance. So if you're standing up for a squat and you have the bar on your shoulders and you start lowering towards the floor, then the muscles under tension are going to be primarily the glutes and the quadriceps as they're lengthening under load. Now, when you shorten the muscles, that's called concentric. So when he says concentric, he's referring to muscle shortening. Now, when you look at the way, if you look at a squat, a squat is loaded vertically and it's not, it doesn't load the glute the same way. And so what he's talking about with the hip thrust is if you're laying on the back and the bar is across, if you're laying on your back, your feet on the floor and your, and your shoulders up on, on a bench or, 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 or elevated up and the bars across your hips, concentrically is when your muscle is shortening, you want to snap your hips up. You want to explode your hips up. You want to press your hips. You want to press your heels into the floor, push your heels into the floor and snap your hips up. Because the glutes are type 2 muscle fiber. They respond best to explosion or rapid training along with heavy load. So this is something. And, and the other thing to, to, to pay attention to here is force plates. You, is, you measure force output by having somebody stand on a force plate and push into the force plate. You can measure force output. You can measure, measure jumping. You can estimate vertical jump. So force plates are one way to measure muscle force output, usually with the feet in contact with the ground. 
Another way to, muscle mu- muscle, to measure muscle force output is EMG. So EMG measures the electrical output in the muscle. So Brett tested this two ways, one using a force plate and another way using EMG or measuring the electrical stimulus from a muscle when it's being activated during an exercise. And then you look at EMG and it's like, okay, hip growth looks better in terms of the EMG profile, but you look at the force plate research and it's like the squat looks superior. And then you look at the training studies and you're like, okay, they're good for different things. Squats a little bit better for jumping um, and squatting motions, whereas the hip thrust seems to be a little bit better for uh, hip thrusting and for uh, like horizontal base, like horizontal jumping and acceleration and pushing forward. Um, And so that's why it's so cool having different types of research where you can look at mechanisms like EMG and force plate, and then you can look at uh, uh, longitudinal outcomes, like training outcomes when you do training studies. But anyone who looked at my thesis would come to the conclusion that you need to do both exercises to, to fully, to develop full hip strength and, and functional outcomes and performance outcomes. Now, what I like about this and what's important is, is Brett is acknowledging the research that shows that the two different exercises, the squat and the hip thrust, do use the muscles differently. They do load the muscles differently. They use the joints differently. So he's acknowledging that based on his studies, you know, that, hey, if you want total hip strength, you need to do the thrust and the squat. So that's that's always refreshing to hear because sometimes people that are aligned with maybe a particular product or a particular type of thing, they get so beholden to that product or to that technique that they don't open up their eyes to other evidence. So it's really refreshing to hear somebody say, yeah, this is good, but it's not the only thing you should be doing. So keep that in mind as we go forward here. And that's an important, yeah, that's an important clarification because it really surprised me when I first, when I read the, the couple studies, um, you're a co-author on one of them, on the hip thrust being, being great or being biomechanically better than the squat for sprinting. Was that something that kind of, was that a, was that a shock to you? Because, because most people think of the hip thrust as more of an aesthetic exercise, but according to some of the data, it looks like it could be a good performance movement as well. This is a great question. So it's been this, so, so no, that didn't surprise me. I hypothesized that based on my analysis of force vectors. And I was talking all about force vectors back in the day and in the, the, as, as I was a popular blogger, and it made sense. Like, look, you want to get good at pushing upwards and squat. You want to get good at pushing forwards and hip thrust. And you need to train the different vectors. There's anteroposterior, there's axial, there's lateral medial, there's uh, torsional or rotational. And in sports, we do all these things, so we should have special exercise for every one of them. And that was kind of even accepted before there was any research to, to, to lend support to it. And then my study was published, and it was the first one lending support to it. And then the next two studies that came out were uh, looking at, basically, they just looked at the hip thrust, and they showed that it didn't transfer to, it didn't improve speed at all. And I'm like, what? You know, this is bizarre. How does that happen? They get way stronger at the hip thrust, and they didn't get faster. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have any comparison, like, it was just the hip thrust. They didn't compare it to like a squat using the same protocol. So at that point, it was kind of like, okay, there's one study in favor, two against. But then you can kind of look at the two studies against, and you're like, okay, maybe they should have had a tapering phase. Maybe it's the speed because the one was a very slow. It was like two seconds up, one second pause, you know, 
four seconds on the way down. No one does a six-second repetition for hip thrust. It's a very slow movement. In real life, you do it fast. You do like, you know, you can do like 15 reps in 20 seconds. It's a rapid movement in real life. So, so that, that's, sorry, can, real quick, that's an evidence of train slow, B slow, right? I mean, kind of a slower movement. Kind of, yeah. There's, there's a lot of evidence in, in, in like velocity specificity. So, Okay, to me, this is what fascinated me about the hip thrust. and Because what, what the research showed is that the angle of force production for sprinting is a front to back, is an anterior to posterior. So if somebody's sprinting, they need to generate a lot of force pushing behind them to accelerate their body forward in an anterior direction. The hip thrust, because of the way it loads the glute muscles into extension, seems to be biomechanically a better exercise for that when compared to the squat, just the way it loads it. So when you look at the loading vector, and a vector is just a linear force application. It's how we show a line of force. So the vector for a squat is going vertical against gravity, and so it's loading more the quadriceps as opposed to the glutes for hip extension. And when somebody's laying on their back with, with the bar across their hips for the hip thrust, it's a different anterior front to back where it's an axial load, a vertical load in, in squatting. So it comes down to a more to a more specific application of how does the joint work. And that was something interesting about testing. So what he's talking about is the different parameters of if you go slower. So if you do a slower tempo, three or four seconds lengthening, one or two seconds shortening, you're not developing the speed at which the motor units contract. Because motor units are those little light switches that turn on the muscle fibers. And if you move at a faster pace, the motor units will will, will charge, will, will turn on faster. And so that's really what we want to do for sports performance. Aesthetics might be different, but for performance, we want quick, explosive movements to activate all the fibers. Was it that it's the hip thrust or that they did slow? And then the other study was that they, that they didn't do a tapering phase. They crushed these people for like eight straight weeks and then, uh. and then had them test them right afterwards or, 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 or maybe it's just the hip thrust isn't that good of a speed exercise. Now, two more studies came out that were like my original study looking at squats compared to hip thrusts and they have the same findings as mine. Ver- squats are a little bit ver- better for vertical performance measures, hip thrusts a little bit better for horizontal, like horizontal jumping and sprinting and acceleration. So now it's like, but but then all three studies that show support, like mine, are all in kind of like younger, uh, younger like like adolescent or or teenage male athletes. So maybe it, this is more prominent with less trained individuals, or maybe not. We we the answer with anything scientific is always we need more research. But it does appear that there is evidence of the force vector hypothesis and that are a little bit better than these, but, but, you know, there's five studies. We need 20, and then we'll have a good grip on things. See, I, I love this, Brett. What I love, Brett, is, is when I have guests on the show, when I have guests on the podcast, is even you have a PhD, man, and, and you're well-known and you're popular, but you're still saying we don't know. We need more evidence. And it's funny because the people like you, they have the degrees, they're smarter. You guys give less definitive answers. Whereas somebody that might not know much that might be an Instagram superstar will give you the most definitive answer. Yes, you have to yeah. do this. You know yep. what I mean? And that's, now, finally, to wrap up, because I appreciate your time, a lot of, my, a lot of the listeners of the show tend to be you know, over the age of 35 and 40. And personally, I like the hip thrust for this age range because it reduces strain on the back. Do you think the hip thrust is something that people should look at if they're in their 40s and 50s? Is it something they should be adding to their program if they haven't, if they're not doing it already? 
Absolutely. And and here's the thing. It's like with every movement. It's not just doing the movement. It's it's how you do it. And if you do it the way I teach on my, you know, on my Instagram and my and my YouTube videos, my my more recent ones cuz the form has evolved over the years, you know. But if you do it the way I teach, there are so few injuries. In fact, I've never had a single injury ever teaching the hip thrust and and at my gym, we've had at Glue Lab in San Diego, we've had thousands of clients doing them over the last, you know, two 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 years, two and a half years, and you know, no no injuries, not a single injury. So it is so safe when you know how to coach it, when you know how to teach it. I encourage everyone to do it, and just like with everything else, you can always find a variation that works. You know. It's, it's, you might not like this variation, but this other one works good for you. So, um, hey, that's awesome, man! And you you have a lot of great products and a lot of great content on your website. So, for listeners that that might want more information or might want programs that you develop, where where should they go? I mean, I, I know I'm a post it, but just it's always good to have you give the, give the the title of the website in your Instagram. Yeah, that's I mean that's my main page is the Instagram, and that's you know that's where I'm most active i don't do facebook and twitter as much, and youtube as much anymore i don't blog as much anymore but i do want to start blogging again my blog is brettcontrist.com instagram is at brettcontrist1 and uh that's where you'll find the info all right hey man thank you for your time i know you're busy i appreciate it All right, first of all, if you're a relatively new listener to All About Fitness, that's not my usual style. I usually just let an interview run, uh, but this was a shorter interview, and again, I was doing it more for a backup uh, to get a couple quotes for an article I'm writing. The article's not out yet, so I can't link to it below, but I will be publishing it and posting it uh, once it's live. But uh, normally, I don't cut in like that. I just want to give a little context. We got a little detail on a couple things, so hopefully uh, you understand that. Now, if you're new to All About Fitness or if you want to learn more about exercise or how to, the types of exercise that can enhance your quality of life, I wrote a book called Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. It's how to use exercise to do just that. It, it, you know, we, a lot of times we use exercise to focus on aesthetics, but my book is about using exercise to enhance your quality of life. And here's the other thing. When done right, exercise can slow down the aging process. So if you want to feel good, if you want to have the energy as you get older, Pick up Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. There'll be a link down below in the show notes. Like I said, this was a fun conversation to have because, you know, the hip thrust has been one of these exercises that become extremely popular in a short period of time. And, and for me, I looked at it as kind of like, okay, people are trying to get their glutes bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really surprising that when I, when I did the literature research and I was going through it, I'm like, wow, there's a, there's a performance benefit as well. So this is kind of an interesting thing because a lot of times in, in fitness, you get you know, kind of a chicken and egg with research. So this is a perfect example of that. You know, Brett got the idea of watching, you know, watching UFC, let's load up the glute bridge to see if we can get the glutes stronger. Well, that was the idea. That's a chicken. Okay, so you start doing it and people feel they, they can feel their glutes getting stronger. You know, fitness competitors or aesthetic competitors, they, they're getting better results from that. So, so you have one anecdotal way. That's one way that a fitness trend becomes popular. And then you get research come along and say, okay, here's what's happening. So a lot of times uh, something will become popular and then researchers will go, okay, well, what's happening in the body? So when they hooked up the force plate and when they hooked up the EMG and they started getting the data about the hip thrust, you know, they saw that, wow, there's something specific here and it is a different exercise. You know, obviously, you know, you can look at it, you know, you know vertical loading versus you know, whatever, all that stuff. 
but it, it really is kind of fascinating to me. Is like this is a great example because we saw it's only been the last seven or eight years. You know, he said it's coming up on the 14 year anniversary of when he got the idea for that. So I, I wanted to, you know, there are a number of reasons why I wanted to get a hold of Brett. And, and for listeners, um, he's a neighbor down at, he's part of the San Diego Fitness Mafia. I don't even think he knows that. <laughs> he's down Pacific Beach. I'm up in North County. So at some point, we're going to hang out together and I'm going to bring you a much, uh, much longer episode. But I wanted to get this up there um, because I, I, you know, Brett was kind enough with his time to, to be able to answer my questions for the article. And really, if you are looking for a good glute program, if you are looking for good training programs, I highly recommend his blog. Brett is well-known because not only is he a coach, but people have a lot of respect because he does do the research. I mean, if you spend the time to earn the PhD, you know, you really know what you're talking about. And, and I'm going to finish with this because I really want you to pay attention to this. Go back to any – if you look at any, you know, any episode – um, that I have up here with anybody with a PhD or RDN or or the people with the bigger the more education behind their name, they'll say we just don't know. We think or, or based on the evidence this might happen. The, the more they know, the less definitive they are. The, the the less specific their answers because everybody is different. You know, and that's what I really want you to pay attention to on these on these interviews is that you know don't please please do not blindly follow somebody who tells you do this do this do this. Because they don't know. And more than likely, they barely have a certification. You know, look at the people who spend the time doing the research. You know, Dr. Scott Trappy, who's the head of the exercise science lab at Ball State, doesn't give a definitive answer. You know, Dr. Stuart McGill, who's been researching the spine for 30-something years, does not give a definitive answer. So just because somebody looks great on social media, just because somebody might look great in front of a room, and they try to tell you definitively, they try to tell you what to do for fitness. Do not listen to them because here's the thing, folks. We don't know. As Brett said, we need more evidence. We need to collect a lot of evidence. We need more evidence to understand what exactly is happening. Each one of us is different. Each one of us is going to have a different response to exercise. So don't just blindly follow somebody. Don't blindly listen to somebody just because they look a certain way. We don't know how this stuff affects each and every single person. So use your best judgment. Get the data. Listen to different things. I'm going to try to post one or two links below of Brett showing the hip thrust so you get a better idea of what it is. So guys, thanks for stopping by. Again, if you like All About Fitness, if you're getting good, if you're enjoying this, do me a favor. Give me a rating. That's what I'm doing it for. Um, I really appreciate this. It's, I'm recording this. It's middle of October or early October 2019. I'm getting ready to do a 15-day trip to Asia. I'm going to be traveling around China. I'm going to Bangkok, Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and Taipei all within 14 days. I'm doing a series of workshops for Nautilus and Stairmaster. So I'm going to try to get, I have a couple of podcasts recorded. I'm going to try to get them up and posted. If I don't, I apologize about that. Um, I'll have to fire my coordinator, my show producer, i.e. me. Um, so, but anyway, just going to ask for a little bit of patience over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to get some shows up as I'm traveling around Asia. Uh, keep your fingers crossed for me. I'm going to try to keep it safe. Um, and if you want information, if you want good fitness information, please follow Pete McCall underscore fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. I'm always putting good stuff up there. So thanks for stopping by and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.